are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Five Husbands. Hello, my radio friends. I'm so glad you could join me today to hear more from God's Word, the Bible. Some of you may be aware that some people like film stars, including Debbie Reynolds, have had multiple husbands. The world record for the most number of legally married partners in modern times belongs to an American born in 1908 and who died in 1997. His name was Glyn Wolfe, and he married 29 times. His last, last wife, Linda, holds the world record for the woman with the most husbands. She married 23 times. Glyn Wolfe's shortest marriage lasted for 19 days, and his longest lasted 11 years. Of course, there are many others who've had many more partners than Glyn Wolfe, but they were never legally married. In less recent times, the known record for a man having the greatest number of wives belongs to King Solomon, who had 700 wives and 300 secondary wives otherwise known as concubines. In olden times, it was common practice for rulers of lesser countries to offer their daughters to powerful kings to set up an alliance so the powerful king would not make war on the lesser country. During King Solomon's reign, there were no wars, no doubt due to the many alliances made. But what we will be dealing with today is about a woman who had five husbands. There are some things we can learn from this story. And you can read about the five husbands in the book of John, chapter 4. Now, if you've had anything to do with the Bible, you'd realize that while Jesus was here on earth during the three and a half years of his ministry, he travelled all around the region of what we now call Israel, Palestine, Jordan and Syria, teaching about the kingdom of God and healing the sick. On one occasion, he'd gone south to Judea, near the salty Dead Sea, and was making his way north to go to, the, to, go to Judah near what is now called the Sea of Galilee. This was a freshwater lake on the Jordan River. To get to get to Galilee, Jews would normally make a wide detour so as to avoid passing through Samaria. You see, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other, and a strict Jew would consider himself contaminated by even walking on Samaritan soil. But Jesus and his disciples who were with him took the direct route 
and were passing through Samaria. Jesus did not culturally discriminate. He was not a white supremacist. All people were the same to him and no race or any other social distinction meant anything to him. He came to save anyone who would take up the free offer of salvation. The Apostle Paul, writing about who can be saved, had this to say, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As Christians, no one can say he or she is better than anyone else. We are only saved through the goodness and kindness of God. Being good-looking, tall, dark-skinned, Caucasian or well-educated has no advantage whatever. Hence, Jesus had no reservations about passing through Samaria, even if his disciples felt uneasy about it. It was around midday, and it was probably a hot day. The party came to a well dug many years before by Jacob. It was known as Jacob's Well. There, Jesus sat down while the disciples went into town, Sychar, to see if they could buy food. While the disciples were away, a lone woman came from the town with her water pot on her head to get water for her household. Now this in itself was unusual, as the women normally came to get water in the early morning or late afternoon when it was not so hot. Most probably this woman came in the middle of the day because she wanted to avoid the rest of the townspeople. Quite likely she was considered by others to be someone of loose morals. At least it seems that she was unpopular and ostracised by the community. On this particular day when the Samaritan woman approached the well, there was this stranger, obviously Jewish, sitting nearby. Now, this was awkward, as Samaritans were aware of the prejudice the Jews had for them, and she was probably aware that women were regarded with even greater prejudice. Then, out of the blue, Jesus asked the woman a favour and said, Would you give me a drink? She was flabbergasted that a Jewish man would even speak to her. She replied, How come that you, a Jew, would ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? To that statement, Jesus answered, If you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, although she was interested, she asked a series of diversionary questions. But Jesus then continued and said, Everyone who drinks this water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water 
I give him will become in him a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. Well, she didn't quite understand what Jesus was talking about, but she reasoned that by having this living water she would no longer get thirsty and would have her own water supply. So she said, Sir, give me some of this water. At this, Jesus said, Go call your husband and come back. Still somewhat guarded, she replied, I have no husband. To this, Jesus said, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. How could this man... A stranger know all this about me, she wondered. He must be a prophet. Embarrassed, she tried to turn the conversation and raised an old chestnut about whether people should worship God in Jerusalem or in Samaria. But Jesus was not deterred and pointed her to a time when people would not need to go to any so-called holy place to worship, but instead would worship in spirit and in truth, meaning that they would worship God from their hearts anywhere they might be. Then the woman, as recorded in John 4.25, said, I know that the Messiah, the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. To this, Jesus revealed to this woman who he was and said, I who speak to you am he. At this point of time, the disciples returned from the town with food that they had bought. And the woman, leaving her water pot at the well, hurried away and told everyone she met with an excitement and urgency in her voice, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Before long, a large, eager crowd had gathered and scurried out of town to the well to see if indeed Jesus was the Christ, the one they had been waiting for. They were not disappointed, and as Jesus spoke to them, they realized that this indeed was the Christ, the promised one of God, who came to save them. So excited and pressed were they, that they asked Jesus to stay with them longer, and to instruct them in the ways of God. These people were hungry for the word of God, and they hung on every word Jesus uttered. Jesus stayed two more days, and the Bible records that many became believers. Now, I'd like to focus in on four aspects of this story. The first is about the living water. The second is about who Jesus was. The third, about what Jesus would have said to the Samaritans. And fourthly, 
about sharing the good news. We're going to have a break, and I'll go on with this straight afterwards. About tomorrow, I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry about the future, for I know what Jesus said, and today. Just before the break, I was telling you there are four things that we would like to have a look at with regard to this story. First, about the living water. The second, about who Jesus was. The third, about what Jesus would have said to the Samaritans. And fourthly, about sharing the good news. Living water. Water, like food, is an essential ingredient for life. Without water you die. Life ceases to exist. For us human beings, we are given life at birth. But there is a much greater and better life offered by God, eternal life, depending on what we do during this life. 
In Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 is a well-known statement also recorded in Deuteronomy 8.3. It says, Man shall not live by bread or food alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What God says, God's word, in other words, is the essential ingredient for everlasting life. Those who take no notice of God's word will not be given eternal life. All they get is the here and now. God's word, the bread of life, and also called the living water, taken in will bring about a change and will, if accepted and acted upon, will point to point one to how you can be given eternal life. Another expression for being given eternal life is to be saved. God's word is the living water that when accepted wells up in a person's life and brings about a change that is full of hope and satisfaction. It gives meaning to life, it gives comfort and it gives answers. Life without God's word is like a dry desert with no, no oasis. But with God, your life is like a fertile, well-watered valley. Dear listener, don't get the idea that belonging to God is boring and colourless. No, it's not like that at all. It's exciting, yet there is peace. By placing your life in God's control is wonderful and sometimes there are big surprises. Personally, I cannot imagine going throughout life without God. Now the second point about who Jesus was. Jesus was no ordinary man. Some regard him as a great teacher others a wise philosopher, and still others a good man. But if that is all he is or was, becoming a follower of his would have no permanent benefits. You would live your life and then die, and that's it. But Jesus was God himself, God the Word or God the Son, who came to this sinful planet in order to pay the price for our sins that we might have life everlasting. The Apostle Peter, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, boldly proclaimed to the Jewish leaders who wanted to silence the Apostles, Neither is there salvation in any other than Jesus for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In one sense, Jesus is not only the bread of life, but is also the water of life. But it is only through him that salvation can be obtained. The woman of Samaria began to realise she was talking to the Messiah who was none other than God. It was no wonder she became excited and rushed off to tell others. What an experience! 
to talk face to face with God? I think I'd be pretty excited also if it was me. But you can talk to God through prayer. So why don't you do it? God loves you and earnestly desires your companionship and he will answer. One of the problems with many people nowadays is that they dash off a quick prayer to God and then hurry off to do other things without waiting for an answer. But God will answer, yes or no or wait. Now the third point. What did Jesus say to the Samaritans? You know, the Bible does not record what Jesus spoke to the Samaritans about, but I suspect that he told them about how they could have eternal life. I suspect that he spoke to them that they must confess their sins and ask for forgiveness through him. He probably outlined the plan of salvation and the great controversy, and he probably spoke to them about all the Old Testament scriptures and prophecies about the Messiah, in other words, about himself. He probably shared with the Samaritans something very like what he shared with the two discouraged disciples on the road to Emmaus. Luke twenty four twenty seven tells us what he spoke about on that occasion. And it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now the last point about sharing the good news. The woman of Samaria, when she realized there was something extra special about Jesus, rushed off to tell the townspeople of Sychar what had happened to her. She may have been unpopular with the townsfolk, but she had news that was too good not to share, and so she told everyone she met, and probably told all her neighbours. Now the Samaritans were not irreligious. They kind of knew that the Messiah was coming, and when they heard that this woman had been with him, That immediately caught their attention, whether they believed her or not. I somehow don't think that the woman was able to reach everybody in the town, but then neighbours told their neighbours and friends. The grapevine network was well established in Sychar, and before long, just about everybody surged out of town to the well to see this person, Jesus, for themselves. Not everybody accepted what he said straight away. Some needed more information before they decided to give their lives to him. And that's okay. It's good to weigh up what you know against what new knowledge you receive before acting on what you hear. But the main point is that the woman could not keep the news to herself. She had to share it. And this too applies to you. As you hear the good news from God's word, the Bible, are you keeping it to yourself? 
Or are you inviting your friends and neighbours to be part of what you are learning? In the case of this radio program, Give Me the Bible, have you suggested that others whom you know to tune in and hear what God's Word says about things? It would be so good if you did. You, like the woman with the five husbands, could be a missionary without even trying. We must stop. And in the meantime... I wish you God's blessing, my friends, and I also wish you peace and joy and hope.